0: The
1: Sunday Review,
0: with Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Sunday Review. Today we hear how some leading UK retailers are monitoring their customers' online behaviour far more than you might realise. Details on a careers and recruitment event at the Queen Victoria Hospital and a new Room on the Broom themed trail at Wakehurst this half term. Plus, we've details on a beer festival at St Mary's Church and we revealed the Sussex pub that scooped this year's Great British Pub Award. Paul told me we'll be finding out about activities at the Ashdown Hub that are supporting well-being and promoting good mental and physical health. And Samantha Day will be finding out about a new warm space initiative running at the Trinity Church Welcome Café and a new arts and music programme at the Church of St Peter and St Paul in Lingfield. A new retail trust index was published this week which showed some leading UK retailers are monitoring their customers' online behaviour far more than you might realise. It comes as new research from ethical search company Empathy.co shows over half of consumers don't feel retail brands are doing enough to protect their online data. Consumer champion and tech expert David McClelland is here to tell us more. David, welcome to the show. Can you start by explaining what the Retail Trust Index is and what it measures?
1: Yeah. uh, Hi, Tim. Good to chat. So this is a a piece of research from Empathy.co. It's been taking a closer look at how major retailers have been using tracking technology on their websites, in their apps and so on to analyse our browsing habits. Uh, so tracking what we're buying, which websites we're visiting, how often we visit those websites. And you know, making use of that information in various ways, maybe in ways that us as consumers don't always know. And what what this also does, this research is it reveals how we as consumers feel about that, but also what we're doing about it as well, because, you know, it feels as though trust in big companies, particularly online, who've got ownership uh, of of various bits of our data, that trust is at a very much of a low point at the moment. We're scared of what social media companies are doing with our data. And this research seems to show that retailers in particular also have been taking a, a bit of a hit on the trust stakes when it comes to their potential customers.
0: Now, many people might be aware of cookies tracking them online. What effect might that be having on the things like offers, prices and adverts that we're presented with?
1: Yeah, so what what the companies that collect these uh, the, these cues from us, they, they collect things that we might have searched for online, our internet history, websites we've visited, things that we might have liked on social media and even, and this is where it starts to turn a little bit spooky for some people, even what people who are of a similar age or in a similar geographical location, or maybe who even live in the same house or village us, what they've liked, so that this stuff can then be served to us, because the advertisers think that we might potentially like that as well. Um, and, you know, advertising, it's a fact of life. Search, it's a fact of life. You know, commercial radio stations and television and lots of newspapers and so on wouldn't exist were it not for advertising. So expecting a degree expecting advertising is fine i would rather have targeted advertising than advertising that's completely irrelevant but it's when it starts to become intrusive it's when i feel as though my personal uh, space in terms of my data footprint has been impinged upon and it's when it's not transparent it's when retailers aren't letting us know that not only are they tracking our behaviour, but they're selling data about us, about our visits, to third-party companies, making profits, basically, from our visiting their website, so that those third-party companies can sell that data and then start uh, reflecting advertising back at us. It's when we start to lose control. That's when it becomes a bad thing in my book, Tim.
0: So what sort of things can we do to protect ourselves online?
1: The good news is, and and this research from Empathy seems to show this as well, that a good number of us, almost two-thirds of people, are aware that their online browsing is being tracked. And 50% of people in the research also say they're going to change their online behaviour in future to avoid this tracking. So what are the kind of things that they're doing? Well, these little pop-ups that we get on websites that we visit. Oh, they're the bane of my life, the the cookie consent pop-ups. You'll have seen them, I'm sure. Rather than just clicking automatically on accept all, accept, just so I can get on and do my business on that particular website people might choose to maybe tap on reject instead or take a look at what they're agreeing to when they visit that website because I am one of those people, it is my job, who does tend to read those and it's often quite eye-opening the amount of information that, that re- some retailers certainly are, are wanting about us. There are also web browsers that uh, claim to cut down on the number of these third-party cookies, these tracking cookies uh, that stay within the browser and track our behaviour online. Now I should say that not all retailers are bad at, at this, though, and and the research did a little league table, if you like, of the uh, of the top retailers that were using the the most amount of uh, these tracking cookies, and those that were using the least as well. And it does seem as though fashion retail. Is coming out particularly bad. A lot of a lot of brands that uh, you know sell clothes and trainers and whatever are also selling our data potentially uh, and certainly seeking to uh, to make the most of it. Whereas some supermarkets are actually uh, have a, have a high degree of trust and they're the ones that are tracking us less. So us as consumers we have choices about which retailers to visit. And smart retailers, I think, understanding this kind of very low bar of trust as it is right now with consumers, smart retailers maybe might realise that too much tracking is bad for business and they're going to look at better ways of doing it, less intrusive ways of doing it to build that trust with their customers so that they can, you know, it, it becomes a mutual benefit then.
0: So who were some of the top offenders and, I guess, equally some of the ones that were tracking us the least?
1: Yeah, so the, the, this Retail Trust Index, it does name and shame. Uh, so right at the top there of the, the worst brands for online tracking. We've got the likes of JD Sports and Wix and Adidas. Uh, B&Q, Sports Direct, TK Maxx, there are some brands in there that I found quite surprising when I saw this because they are uh, retailers that I feel as though I've got quite a high degree of trust in. So the likes of John Lewis and Selfridges and I'm a parent, my kids buy, well, I buy on behalf of my kids uh, Clark's Shoes. I trust my kids' feet, yet they're also number four in this worst retail brand but then you look at the best, so the retail brands using the the fewest number of online trackers. I mentioned supermarkets, so there's the likes of Morrison's and and Co-op and uh, a Little and Tesco as well. And then there are some other brands, uh, Waterstones, Harrods are up there too, uh, Hugo Boss, Disney Store. So there, there's quite a wide variety, and it it seems as though the the degree of trust that we think we might have in a brand doesn't necessarily reflect itself in how they might be tracking and monetizing our behavior, our our browsing on their websites.
0: And where would you direct people to go for further information if they want to find out more about this topic?
1: Yeah, so i a lot of the numbers and, and the names uh, of some of these brands as well are all contained in this Retail Trust Index report. And it's uh, at Empathy.co, which is a company that's got some skin in this game as well and uh, that they uh, help retailers to find more ethical ways and, and smarter ways of, uh, of ensuring that their products end up in, in search and advertising results. So that, that would probably be a place to go to for me.
0: Fantastic. David, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insight. Thanks a lot, Tim. And for more information on the Retail Trust Index, you can visit empathy.co forward slash blog. That's empathy.co forward slash blog. We'll post the link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. The Queen Victoria Hospital in East Grinstead is running a career and recruitment event later this week. There'll be displays on career pathways, the types of surgery and specialities at QVH, virtual tours, simulation activities and lots of staff who can talk about why they work there and their careers so far. The hospital's Deputy Chief Nurse Liz Blackburn joins me now with more information. Liz, welcome to the show. Can you start by telling us a bit more about the QVH and the services you provide?
2: Yes, and thanks for having me. Um, So, as many people will know, we're a small hospital based in East Grinstead and we provide life-changing reconstructive surgery, burns care and rehabilitation services for people who have been injured through accidents or illness. Um, and our world clin- uh, leading clinical teams provide specialist surgery and non surgical treatment for people across the southeast and beyond. So we cover a really wide area. Um, our main specialisms include conditions of the hands and eyes. Um, we deal with head and neck cancer and skin cancer patients. Uh, we are involved with reconstructive breast surgery. And we also undertake maxillofacial surgery and uh, provide a prosthetics uh, department. Um, and the other area that we also support uh, to our local community is that we run a minor injuries unit. Um, we have therapy services and a sleep service.
0: Wow, I don't think I realised quite how much you do at QVH. Tell us why you're running the careers and recruitment event then.
2: So uh, as everybody knows, um, the past couple of years have been quite a challenge in relation to the pandemic, and so we've not been able to run such events, Um, and we've really wanted to um, celebrate our services and allow the local community and students to be able to come and visit and see um, some of the services that we provide, but also for um, people to be able to see what sort of careers they could go into, what pathways we offer, um, and also to see some of the vacancies that we've got and see if their skills that they currently have would fit in nicely with uh, the jobs that we have available.
0: And what sort of people are you hoping to attract to the event?
2: So anyone that's got uh, an interest in a clinical career um, within either the NHS or particularly coming to the QVH so we're we're looking at two types which would be um, our A-level students or higher education students who are interested in undertaking a clinical career so either they might be thinking about what university they want to go to or are currently um, undertaking a university course. Um, And then also for people who are already qualified and to see what options they have available here.
0: And what sort of careers have you got on offer
2: We've got all sorts that we're going to be represented in the evening so there's um, going to be our nurses there, Uh, we will have representatives from our therapies department so anyone that's interested in becoming either a physiotherapist or an occupational therapist, we should also have someone there from our pharmacy department. Um, We should have some medical colleagues there as well, so that people can talk about any sort of medical career they might want to follow. Um, We will have someone there from our MIU, our sleep services. Um, So there will be all sorts of different, oh, and our radiology department. So there will be all sorts of different people there that people can access all sorts of information from.
0: And what, in your opinion, makes the NHS such a good career choice for people?
2: So, I mean, the, the NHS is, um, you know, is a national institution and I think it does offer a huge amount of wide ranging careers. But I think often people don't necessarily think about. Obviously, we're focusing on the cl- clinical careers um, that we, we offer here. And I think, as I've mentioned, who will be there on the night, you know, um, we you can go into career within nursing to therapies to medicine there's so many different options that are available for people um and actually there's often a clear career progression once you start within that um within that area um my nursing background um it started off as a band 5 staff nurse um, and then I slowly made my way up um following Um, into a senior staff nurse role then um, there's always the options of people becoming perhaps a ward matron Um, but then I think within that there's always the option to perhaps become a clinical nurse specialist so it's not always the same route that people will take and I think it's just about people understanding that there's all sorts you may well start off as a staff nurse in a particular area but actually by the end of your career you may well have experienced all sorts of different aspects to the NHS.
0: Fantastic. So when and where is the event taking place?
2: So the event is on Wednesday the 12th of October and it is from uh, running from 5 until 9pm here at QVH. Um, It's taking place in our education centre which is in location 40 in the main hospital building.
0: And do people need to register in advance or can they simply turn up?
2: It would be great if people could register in advance. We've got a specific email address um, which is qvh.qvhcareers at nhs.net. That would be great if people could email us and then we will um, have a greater understanding as to how many people are coming. But actually if you also want to turn up that is fine as well.
0: And is there anywhere people can go to get a recap on some of the information we've talked about today?
2: Absolutely. So we've put um a uh, we've set up a webpage which is at www.qvh.nhs.uk, and there's a link on the homepage which people can follow to find out more about the evening.
0: Liz, thanks so much for joining me today, and good luck with the event.
2: Thank you very much.
0: As a reminder, the QVH Career and Recruitment Event is on this Wednesday, the 12th of October, from five to nine pm in the Education Centre at the Queen Victoria Hospital. To register your interest, please email qvh.qvhcareers at nhs.net, that's qvh.qvhcareers at nhs.net and for more details you can visit qvh.nhs.uk, that's qvh.nhs.uk and click on the careers and recruitment events section on the homepage. We'll post all the details on our social media, on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. This October half-term, Wakehurst are bringing Julia Donaldson and Axel Scheffler's much-loved book, Room on the Broom, to life. Situated in their enchanting woodlands, the trail recreates the journey of witch's windswept adventure through 3D installations and family-friendly activities, It's running from Saturday the 15th until Sunday the 30th of October. To tell us more, I'm joined by Wakehurst's programmes producer, Eva Owen. Eva, welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit more about what families can expect from the trail?
3: I can, they can be, um, our families can be fully immersed in the woodlands, taking in the story of Room on the Broom. So it starts with the journey of the witch going through our windy wood, finding her lost pieces as she does in the story. So her hat, her bow, her wand. Um, encountering the broken broom the dragon the mud monster um, and ending up at a lovely cauldron garden at the end where they can have a special treat creating their own autumnal spell um, but yeah it's a lovely day out it's a chance to be outside in the autumn and um, immersed in the beautiful autumn colors that Wakehurst does so well.
0: Sounds fantastic are there any specific activities that are taking place as part of the event
3: There are. So there's an add-on sticker hunt activity as part of the trail. Um, So entry is free to all children. So this is just an additional three pound sticker activity that complements the trail. So children will be given a a scene on a a vinyl card uh, with some reusable stickers. And as they go along the trail, there'll be certain uh, things to find and add them to uh, to complete their scene as they go along on their journey.
0: And how much is entry to the trail?
3: So entry is free to members and free to children up to 16, uh, but anyone that isn't a member, adults is £14.95 um, and then we have a special young person uh, price between, for 17 to 25 year olds for, of £7.50.
0: So do people need to pre-book or can they just turn up on the day?
3: they do need to pre-book um, for this particular trail pre-booking is essential because it gets very, very busy. Um, and we like to make sure that it's a, it's a lovely experience for everybody.
0: And talking about everyone having a lovely experience, I gather you're running some special sessions for those with additional needs or disabilities.
3: We are. So we have on selected dates, we have an early opening and quiet session. So these will be limited numbers um, between 9.30 and 10am. So the gardens usually open at 10am, but for these particular quiet sessions, we'll be opening from 9.30.
0: And are those quiet sessions also pre-bookable on the website?
3: that's right you can pre-book all of the activities the additional sticker activity and your place on the trail on our on our website
0: fantastic and have you got any other events happening at wakehurst over the autumn season
3: well coming to enjoy the autumn color is always a treat at wakehurst the um the biodiverse landscape is rich in wonderful colors at this time of year so I would put that as an unmissable and then uh, we're preparing for Glow Wild which is our really exciting lantern trail that uh, is fast approaching and beginning to start being set up Um, so yeah lots to see and come and enjoy.
0: Wonderful and where can people go for further information and to book tickets?
3: So for further information and to book um, any of our programming that we've got coming up, you can go to our website, which is q.org forward slash Wakehurst.
0: That's great. Eva, thanks so much for joining us today and telling us more about this fantastic event. Thanks, Tim. And as a reminder, for more information and to book tickets, visit q.org forward slash Wakehurst. That's k-e-w.org forward slash Wakehurst and click on what's on. We'll post a direct link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. Now, beer is not something you'd normally associate with the church, but St Mary's in East Grinstead is hosting a pop-up beer festival this Saturday. Father Adam Wogan is here to tell me more about the event. Adam, welcome to the show. What's the Pop-Up Beer Festival all about?
4: Uh, The Boba Beer Festival is uh, all about uh, bringing the community together to have a good time and to show people uh, that the church is actually all about having fun uh, together and living life in its fullness that Jesus has brought us together to
0: live. And where did the idea come from for this fundraiser?
4: Um, It was a discussion between uh, me and my wife when we were on holiday um, and uh, we decided that we needed to have a big parish fundraiser uh, but we also wanted it, above all things, to be fun as well. Uh, often uh, community fundraisers like this are actually just a lot of hard work. Uh, so we came upon this idea that we thought it would be a really fun thing to do, uh, to bring the community together, both the congregation and the wider wider community, uh, to come together, have a really good time, really good evening with live music and food and good local beers, uh, and raise money for the parish church at the same time.
0: And putting fun back in fundraiser at the same time. Exactly, yeah. How much are you hoping to raise from this year's event?
4: Uh, Well, last year we managed to raise just under £4,500. Um, so this year we're we're aiming for 5,000 the the big difference this year is that we'll be doing the food ourselves Uh, so we've got some uh, excellent helpers uh, South Africans in the parish who uh, as you may know uh, are fantastic barbecuers so we're going to be having burgers and hot dogs on sale as well so we're really looking forward to trying that new aspect
0: uh, in our fundraising this year and what sort of beers are you hoping to feature this year?
4: Uh, I think we've got a great list of beers this year. Uh, there are still some to confirm, uh, but we've got beers from Three Acres Brewery. Uh, we've got a porter and a hazy pale from them. Uh, we've got beers from 1648, their signature pale and the Beehead uh, Golden Ale, which sounds fantastic. Sort of honey-coloured honey beer with uh, infused with a bit of honey as well, so that's great. Uh, the most popular beers we had last year were from 360, so they're back again this year. Uh, their fastback pale and the session IPA, uh, and then we've got some new ones uh, from Downlands Brewery, a hazy pale, uh, which is a a, a vegan beer, uh, and a Downlands American Amber. Uh, we've also got uh, a, a traditional uh, drink from from this county, this, uh, barrels of Sussex Best Bitter, uh, which will be well known to everybody, uh, and we're having a few more donated. Uh, from the engine room in East Grinstead too, so we're very grateful uh, for their generosity.
0: That sounds great. Will there be anything there for non-beer drinkers?
4: There will, yeah. We, we've we got uh, wines, uh, various wines, and um, Proseccos, uh, which are always popular, and uh, we've even got some uh, gins and some spirits for people who, who drink that sort of thing.
0: Now, you mentioned some live music. What else is going on uh, throughout the afternoon and evening?
4: That's right. So we've got the East Grinstead concert band coming in the afternoon, uh, and uh, unfortunately we had to rearrange uh, this date. Um, originally it was going to be on the 10th of September, but as you know, uh, with the passing of Her Late Majesty the Queen, uh, we had to uh, postpone the dates uh, to the 5th, to the uh, to the 15th. Uh, so. We're going to be uh, looking for another band to play later in the evening. The the original band that was going to play on the 10th could no longer do it, sadly. Uh, So we're still on the lookout for a band to come in the evening, but we've got some other musicians lined up to play sort of acoustic type stuff throughout the afternoon and have recorded music as well. Uh, We've even got a raffle with some fantastic prizes, uh, generously donated uh, from local businesses here in East Grinstead. We've got... Uh, a tasting uh, for two from the tasting rooms. We've got a voucher for a meal at the Ship Inn and a tasting at Kingscott, uh, Kingscott uh, Vineyard. Uh, we've got Peter Express vouching, uh, vouchers. We've got Sunday lunch for two from the uh, By the Fountain and free haircuts and all sorts of fantastic prizes from uh, all local businesses in the town. So again, very grateful uh, for their support and generosity.
0: Brilliant. Um, how much are tickets to the event? And do you need to book in advance or can you just turn up on the day? Uh, you can
4: turn up on the day, uh, but it's cheaper to get your tickets ahead of time. Uh, and you can do that through our Facebook page or our website. Uh, so our Facebook page is at St. Mary, Mary's Church, EG. If you just type that into Facebook, you'll find the links on there. Uh, and our website is stmary'schurcheg.co.uk. Uh, You'll be able to find links on there. Advanced tickets are £10 uh, and on the door are £15. That includes your first drink as well. Uh, So really is uh, very good value for money.
0: And is your Facebook page and website the best place to go for a reminder of some of the information you've talked about today?
4: Yeah, our Facebook page is updated regularly, so that's the best place to, to keep abreast of what's going on in the parish. Uh, just not just for this, but more generally too, services and other events are always put on there uh, for people to see.
0: Brilliant, Father Adam. Thanks so much for joining us today, and good luck with the fundraiser. Thank you very much. God bless. As a reminder, the pop up beer festival is at St Mary's Church on Windmill Lane in East Grinstead on Saturday, the fifteenth of October, from one pm. Tickets are £15 on the door or £10 in advance. And for more information, you can visit facebook.com forward slash St. Church E.G. That's facebook.com forward slash St. Mary's Church E.G. or St. Mary's eg.co.uk That's St. EG. We'll post links on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. Earlier this week, the pub industry's annual awards crowned the Gun Inn in Findon near Worthing as its Great British Pub of the Year for 2022. Owner Sally Harris, a former art teacher turned landlord, took the top prize after putting her own flair on the 17th century pub. To tell us more, I'm joined by the editor of The Morning Advertiser, Ed Bedlington, who runs the annual awards. Ed, welcome to the show. Can you start by telling me what stood out about this year's winner?
5: I think it was it's just an excellent all-round pub. It's it's one of those ones you kind of stumble across by accident and don't want to leave. It's um it's it's great to see sort of I mean we see all, all sorts of interesting operators come into the pub trade, but uh and they often bring their own personality to it. And I think um in this case, uh Sally's a a former art teacher, she's brought her own sort of sense of quirky style. So there's there's lots of interest, lots of things to sort of capture the attention and um it's just a great great environment
0: now great british pub of the year is just one of the categories in the awards that you run uh what other categories do you have and who were some of the notable winners this year
5: so we you know we have around sort of eighteen or so categories, um all of which uh, the winners of those go on to be put into the mix for the overall title, which the gun won. Uh, we've got uh, categories like the best pub for food, uh the best pub for dogs, uh, so dog friendly uh environment. Uh, we had a couple of new categories, best country pub, best town, and urban pub, um, which we had some great winners in there. so um, a real mix um of of operators from across the uk. Um, from sort of uh, up, up in Yorkshire down to uh, down to London and and all around
0: really. And how long have the awards been running now? We've been running them. It's
5: it's uh, three decades really now. We're in our we're in our third decade. So uh, they've been going quite a long time. Um, and they just uh, they they keep going. They keep getting better. The the pubs we see coming through are a stronger, better, more professional. Uh, stunning stunning examples for for people to enjoy.
0: Why were the awards set up in the first place? What are the sort of aims behind them? <laughs> I'm not that old, fortunately.
5: But um, I mean, we, <laughs> we, think the, the aims, I suspect the aims are the same and the aims now, really, it's to champion the trade, it's to shine a spotlight on, you know, great operators who are doing great things. It's to remind uh, everybody of of the importance of pups. You know, we, we sort of... Uh, we we went through a period we took pubs for granted, and then COVID reminded us sort of how how important they are. But if you look at um, their their place in our society, you know what they mean for their communities, and um, the uh, amount of employment they provide, the tax generation they they raise, the the charity work they do. Um, pubs are so much more than just a place to go for a drink. They they serve such a purpose. So. These awards are a, a way for us to, to remind, um, remind the country that, um, you know, pubs do matter, that they're important, that, um, uh, that they play a vital role. And also to celebrate and, um, and let these guys get a bit of recognition for, for being really good at what they do.
0: Fantastic. How are the nominees chosen and who decides on the winners each year?
5: So it's uh, pubs enter the awards, so they're, they're free to enter. Um, they go through a number of stages. We, we have a, a, an initial sort of uh, written entry, which uh, we, we produce a long list from. We then go back for more details from those that have gone through. That then produces a short list. Um, the pubs are then visited by judges. We send teams of judges out to visit the pubs and assess them. We do mystery visits, so they the judges pop up when the pub least expects it, which is always fun. Um, And then we have a final panel interview uh, with a team of judges for each pub before we decide who is going to be winning each category.
0: Brilliant. As you've said, there's 18 categories overall. Where can people go to find the full list of this year's winners? Uh, They
5: can go to the greatbritishpubawards.co.uk. That's got all our winners on uh, and they can see where they are and uh, make arrangements to go and visit some fantastic pubs.
0: That's great. Ed, thanks so much for joining us today. No problem. As a reminder, you can visit greatbritishpubawards.co.uk. That's greatbritishpubawards.co.uk for a full list of this year's winners. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. On our Open for Business show last week, Samantha Day heard from Rachel Starling about a new Warm Space initiative that's now open every weekday from 10am until 3pm at the Welcome Cafe in the Trinity Church here in East Grinstead.
6: Um, there are Warm Spaces being opened up all over the country and Gateshead have um, helped quite a lot with their initiative, which we've listened to and looked at, and Yeah, we want to do it in East Grinstead. We do want people to come um, who are happy to come and chat or people, if they just want to be on their own,
7: that all these things can happen. Mm. But they can come along and hopefully uh, meet other people Mm -hmm. and form friendships.
6: Yes, and this is something that we are really um, looking to do, really we have um friendly friday on a friday afternoon at the moment and that has really um meant quite a lot
7: of people have made friendships mm. and so we want to do that each day of the week oh, that'd be so nice so do you have volunteers that need to come in on the days when you're when you're open obviously uh,
6: yes we are all volunteers mm-hmm. and some of the volunteers have been working at the cafe for many years because it has been open Um, But we are concentrating on making sure we're
7: open Monday to Friday from 10 till 3. Mm. That is the difference. Right. Okay. So when you say about uh, warm space, I mean, is this kind of off the back of people not knowing whether they can um, eat or keep warm? Yes, that is one of the things. And we will always have
6: warm drinks. We have warm food.
7: And do they pay for
6: that? Well, that is our our pr- pr- policy, is that it's donations. Right. So, yes, people do pay, but actually people who are not able to pay don't pay. And we're very grateful to people who come. Some people pay over the top and think that will be pay for the next person yeah. who comes in. And so we work in that way. Mm.
7: No, that is lovely. So where did the idea come from that you would set this up here at the church? The
6: warm space.
7: That's an initiative all over the country, is it?
6: Yes, warm space. In some places it's called warm bank. You know, you have a food bank and you have a warm bank. We've chosen to call it a warm space because, in fact, the cafe has been that for many years and now again, we're going to be open each day of the week. Mm.
7: How many volunteers do you actually need? Are you looking for more volunteers or are you having volunteers from the church?
6: We, we are looking for volunteers. We're looking for people to come and sit and chat, yes. And um, if we have games or if we have a newspaper or if we have jigsaw puzzles, okay. if we, you know, <laughs> it will be what people um want to do really Mm. somebody who came in yesterday said he liked playing scrabble so (laughs) let's hope we get other people who like Like playing scrabble
7: what a great idea but i mean uh, one of the main things is isn't it to get people to come and uh, not be lonely on their uh, uh, own at home so again we could sort of ask for people that perhaps know somebody who lived might live next door and they're on their own maybe they might like to pick them up and take them along and for an hour or whatever yeah and en- and enjoy that time yes getting to know them better you know yeah. you've got people next door it doesn't mean you know them does it no that's right yeah and you can come just for coffee tea
6: or you come for lunch because we serve hot lunches jacket potatoes
7: soup oh. and, and homemade cake ah oh, wow well. It <laughs> can't beat homemade cake, can you? No, we, we're we quite famous for our homemade cake. It's such a great idea, I've got to say. And and, and you've foreseen running this continuously? Yes,
6: that could be a challenge
7: because some of our volunteers will have
6: school children. So at half term, et cetera, we will be looking um, for some people to, to try and keep it open because we think that half term could be really quite a challenge for people yes but we have the church website so you'll be able to look on there to see when it is open how can they find that www.trinitymethodist.org.uk
7: or they could just pop in and ask you couldn't they yes Mm. we'd like that yeah
6: buses go past of course the 400 the 271 the 281 so people can be dropped off quite Quite near to us.
7: Excellent, yeah. absolutely excellent. Now there are some little flyers going around somewhere, are there? Where would they see them? Yes, we have them in doctor's surgeries.
6: Um, we're gonna deliver them locally and on the Imberhorn estate we have people who are going to do that. Oh, so boom. that will give everybody the information. Mm. And when we have our new signs at the church, you will be able to see it on the sign. <laughs> oh brilliant absolutely and if people want to come
7: and want to go into the church then that will be open as well i wish you all the best of luck with this i mean i think it's just such a lovely lovely idea rachel thank you for giving out your time and coming in to talk about it thank you very much thank you
0: if you'd like to volunteer at the cafe or you'd like more information on opening times which are normally weekdays from 10 a.m until 3 p.m you can visit trinitymethodist.org, that's trinitymethodist.org, or email cafe at trinitymethodist.org, that's cafe at trinitymethodist.org. We'll post those links on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. The Ashdown Hub is a volunteer-led organisation who run a number of activity groups to support well-being and promote good mental and physical health. Earlier this week, Sarah Tilo from the organisation spoke to Paul Tolmey on his mid-morning show.
8: So we are a free um, local charity that runs uh, wellbeing groups for adults. Um, we've been running for two years. Um, we started just before lockdown. Mm. Um, and we're a non-religious um, group and it's an open invitation for everybody. Um, yeah, it's a place to kind of um, be yourself, and um, the participants um, come to us for a mixture of uh, reasons. Sometimes it may be due to bereavement, um, recuperating from physical illness, or learning difficulties, anxieties, mental health difficulties. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
9: I think we've all got struggles at the moment, haven't we, in all, all sorts of yeah, capacity. Yeah, so. a lot of stress out there at yeah. the moment, isn't there? Yeah. So, this is, so your, uh, your groups are um, at East Cranston Museum?
8: Oh, well, we run two at the moment. Yeah. Um, we run one on a, a Tuesday night. That's an art group, and that runs at the museum. Um, and then we run... We've started another one fairly recently, uh, running all Friday. Um, that's at Tobias, um, which is um, an art group and a gardening group in the morning. And then we stop for some lunch, a very simple lunch of uh, bread and soup. And then we have gardening or you kind know, of craft in the afternoon as well. We run from uh, um, eleven through till three on a Friday.
9: Nice one. So um, a chance for a little potter if you're a uh, if you're a garden, if you've got green fingers, um,
8: or even not green fingers. It, it, absolutely. <laughs>
9: yeah, <laughs> even if you're even if you're not, then uh, yeah. do do uh, do go for it. Obviously, the well the well being side of things is important because it, it's it's quite therapeutic as well, isn't it? I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of sort of sketching, but you, you never realise until you actually do it that you quite how creative you really are.
8: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm an art facilitator. I'm I am i i a facilitator at at the group, um, and um, I'm just about to qualify as an art counsellor.
1: Oh,
8: ah. um, I've got my dissertation to do, and then I'm done. Um, but, um, yeah, I, well, I, I've been a, an artist, um, you know, from very small, and um, I teach children art as well. Um, and so the power of art is, is something that I believe is very therapeutic and mm. uh, this, on so many different levels. Um, you know, it can be very relaxing. Um, uh, it can also um, get you to look at things in a different way. Mm. Um, uh, we, you know, things like a drawing... Um, uh even small things like acorns that we've been doing you know finding the beauty within an object is and, and it stops you from thinking about um mm. you know sometimes you get intrusive thoughts don't you and and mm. thoughts that go round and round in your head so sometimes actually doing a bit of art just just frees for you from all the worries and the stress so, yeah. yeah and
9: so an art counselor you, mm-hmm. so, what, 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 what's, what's that so i'm
8: a trained I, w- I will be a trained counselor and right. um, so um like a therapist. Yeah. Um, but I use art as part of that. So so yeah. I are,
9: um, are you um are you an artist you said you're an artist yourself, is that painting or
8: um I do a little bit of everything. Okay. I did a textile design degree. So oh, sometimes wow. yeah. A long time ago now. Yeah, yeah. Um but um I do um I've I um have just been a student at Tobias, um and uh, we do a lot of clay, we do a lot of watercolor so yes I, I do a bit of everything really acrylic um, painting so
9: yeah brilliant so you uh, the art classes um are on a friday morning uh, uh sorry um, a tuesday and a tuesday evening as well that's right, so yeah, yeah. um but you, you need to you need to book to come onto them presumably
8: yeah we'd like um uh, to, if you give us a call or drop us an email yeah. um the um details are on our website yeah um which is www www.ashdownhub.org and uh, there's a telephone number there as well so Mm -hmm. you can give us a phone or um, drop us an email and then we'll give you a ring back and just have a you know quick catch up and see which group you think you might like to come to
9: and also um, a little bit of volunteers as well to keep the the, the group going
8: yeah yeah we've got a lovely group of volunteers at the moment Um, and some of them you know were participants uh, before and they've become volunteers Um, But yeah, we, we, uh, anybody, we've got uh, um, volunteers from lots of um, different backgrounds, Um, uh, uh, we've got a doctor, we've got um, uh, uh, psychologists, um, counsellors, art counsellors like me, um, and just people who enjoy gardening. Um, so um, we do like um, all our volunteers to be DBS checked, of course, uh, which they can do through us. Yeah, um, and um, we we do offer training as well. So yeah. so you
9: don't necessarily need to have a sort of mental health background; you can just N-
8: no gardening art, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah.
9: Great. We've got to mention the soup as well, haven't we? <laughs> yes. You yes. can't. We can't leave the soup <laughs> out.
8: No, we seem to be doing a lot of broccoli soup at the moment. Bro- broccoli soup? Broccoli soup, wow. which is really actually very tasty. Um, and bread, yeah. So we all, um, we've all we recently started using Tobias. It's the, a, um, a beautiful um, uh, centre. Um, and they have an enormous long table that runs in the kitchen. So everyone um, takes off their dirty boots um, or puts down their paintbrushes and then joins us at this, the uh, large table. And we all have soup and bread together. So, yeah, once so they've
9: washed the soil off their hands i hope <laughs> yes yeah, Good. Yeah, yeah we were just talking off air about how many um, people you've got in at the moment Is your, so you've got you said 14
8: 14 people who come on tuesday um and then we're growing the numbers on friday so we've got um probably about uh could be actually could be about eight people in the gardening group and mm. then at the moment we've got about four people in the art group um, but so yes, so so we'd love some more uh, participants to come along and join us on the Friday.
9: Is there maybe scope for sort of more activities as well?
8: Uh, yeah, th- uh, in the past, the um, Ashton Hub have run other groups. We did. There was a Tai Chi group, um, and there was also a storytelling group as well. So um, it just depends what volunteers come along and mm. you know what they want to offer really um, to our participants. So um, for
9: volunteers out there thinking, oh, well, this might be of interest to them, yeah, then.
8: yeah, please, yeah, please get in touch, that would be lovely. great,
9: okay. Um, now I know you wanted to give some shout outs to a few, uh, few people who've supported you,
8: yeah. We've got we've had so much support from uh, the community, so it was just a, a big, um, thank you, really, for funding. Um, it's um, surprising how, um, you know, um, Expensive it is to run, you know, mm. um, charities really. So um, Sussex Community Foundation, East Grinstead Lions, East Grinstead Memorial Trust, um, and also the big ones like National Lottery. And we got some biscuits and other bits and um, pieces from Waitrose East Grinstead. Um, there's been some private trusts, Henry Smith, and um, yeah, and our lovely participants who often bring um, milk or biscuits or even cake, which is.
9: Always a good thing.
8: Yes, always a good thing. So, yeah, if thank you. If ever they'd like
9: them. to drop any off uh, in, in, where we are, then <laughs> it, it would always be appreciated. Uh, anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, so that's great. And um, so they can take their artwork home with them or y- their...
8: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, lots of people um, um, do. Um, and Sometimes, you know, the projects will run a little bit longer mm. um, so that they might leave it with us and then, you know, it'll be like a three or four-week project. You've, um, we've been doing, I've been doing on the Friday, I've been doing a weaving project. So we wove, um, one of our volunteers has a um, flax bush in her garden. Yes. So she brought a load of flax um, and then we wove some lovely baskets with that. Um, and then we are also hoping to have a plant sale as well um, from, um, uh, you know, the, the lovely spider plants and the other, mm. we re- repotted loads of those. So we're going to have a fundraising of a plant. Plant sale at some point. Perhaps I can tell you about it when Course. it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely.
9: Yeah. Um, you wanted to put out a call for uh, wool as well.
8: Oh yes, thank you. Uh, yes, and um, like I said, I was doing weaving project mm. at the moment. So any, um, uh, I put a, um, a request out on Next Door, um, and I've got two lovely ladies who said they would give me some wool. But any more wool would be uh, if you could contact us via the hub, um, and I'll come and collect it off you, please. That'd be great.
9: Uh, presumably, it runs sort of all year round so
8: yeah yeah um we're 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 hoping that it so occasionally we'll have a break if uh we had a break over the summer yeah um and um, we might have probably a week's break over christmas but we're hoping that it will be a consistent thing that we can just keep running so we're always there
9: sarah so nice to see you thank you so much for coming oh, in thank and you so uh, much for having me do come back soon and let us know how it's all going i will do
0: Sarah Tilo speaking there to Paul me If you'd like to know more about the Ashdown Hub or get in touch with them, you can visit ashdownhub.org. That's ashdownhub.org. We'll post the link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. Last week, Andrea Watson joined Samantha Day to give her the heads up about a new arts and music programme at the Church of St Peter and St Paul in Lingfield.
10: Lingfield's a lovely place with many, many things, but it, it's never grown its cultural side. Our new vicar, Ian Whiteley, is very progressive and he likes to see the church as being becoming more of a community centre uh, and, and not just a place of worship. And this would be one of the ways in which we can perhaps have people come to the church not for services and without really any... Uh, religious component or not an important religious component this is for arts and uh, talents.
7: And there's a lot of talent around this area isn't there? Yes
10: there is a surprising amount
7: um, It's really like our music, our local musicians and, and they come up with brilliant songs and things and we like to support them and have them on the show
10: Yes and, and later on in the, in the year where are something I'm very excited about we're going to do a Lingfield's Got Talent which was an idea suggested to me for the programme where it's non-competitive and we want youngsters who are perhaps preparing for grades to come to the church where there's a piano uh, or bring their instruments and then they have a chance to perform uh, live to a, a small uh, appreciative, <laughs> probably <laughs> parental audience and uh, that gives them a certain amount of performance um, skill and, uh, yes, understanding uh uh, and it can iron out the nerves, which is very helpful for yeah. for young. But it's also it won't just be music; it will be other talents. It could be, I don't know, magic tricks. It 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 isn't a competition. And and although uh, you know we all we all love watch watching Bake Off and things like that. I sometimes think it doesn't have to always have a competitive element. Yeah. And true. certainly for performance, to give people performance skills and confidence. Uh, it's good that they're not being judged, so they get they get a chance not to be judged before they are judged mm. <laughs> at the exam stage. Mm.
7: Now, who has put this program together? Is it yourself? Uh, it is. <laughs> well <laughs> done. <laughs> <laughs> has it taken a little bit of a time getting it all together?
10: No, <laughs> no. I was I joined the piece, the parish church council, two months ago, three months ago. In the vicar put me in charge of. Well, mentioned the idea that I would be head of a new music and arts section for the church and you can't say no to the vicar so I obviously said okay and then I went home and panicked as anyone would uh, and asked all my friends and um, local people who I knew that might be interested and would feed me ideas and I got helpful ideas from lots of people of course. So then uh, we started with um, a talk by Georgina Adam, a local resident who also, luckily, happens to be my sister, and she <laughs> is an arts expert, and she speaks for the Sotheby's Institute, and she, uh, her particular area, is the art market, uh, into which she is, um, in in which she is a world expert, and she's written three books, so she's a fantastic public speaker, and and it's great, f- and it's great fun too, the talk that she's going to give about fakes and forgeries. And it will be interactive. And it will be free. So to kick off, we're having a free uh, evening on 15th of October, 7 p.m., with refreshments.
7: And that is, can you spot a fake painting?
10: Yes, can you spot a fake painting? Everybody loves fake and fortune (laughs) with Philip Mould and uh, Fiona Bruce on TV. Uh, So come along and um, hear a bit more. We did have a very famous local faker living and working in this area, funnily enough. Uh, I think his name may come up, John Mead. And uh, I think there's a book called Provenance about him. Um, I've I've read a few books about fakes. The best book I've read is Eric Hebbin's book called Drawn to Trouble. And uh, Eric Hebbin was a notorious faker. And the best story uh, from him is he started work as a restorer and he worked in a restorer's workshop and the restorer bought him a picture one day and he said, it needs a bit of work done on it. And when Eric Hebbin looked at the painting, it was blank. It was a blank canvas. <laughs> he said, yes, it needed a lot of work done on it. <laughs> and onto this, he painted a 17th century Dutch um, maritime scene of some sort Um uh, and uh, that was um, an early chapter in his in his rather notorious career.
7: And you really do want to get audience participation in this, don't you? Because it makes yes. it more fun.
10: It exactly. Yes. In fact, we generally speaking we want audience participation mm. because if you look at the next um, one, it's a workshop, um, and that's very much audience participation. In fact, the audience is is the workshop. We're doing a singing workshop uh, in November. Um, and that's being led by a very highly trained singer and musician, Jane Goldsmith, who lives in Lingfield, and with our new organist, uh, Sarah, at the church, who will be our accompanist. And that's a workshop for mature voices. Um, People who perhaps have not very much singing experience or a little in the past and feel that they've lost their voice uh, so there'll be a lot of vocal exercises. Um, it's extremely healthy and restorative, as, as it were. Uh, it's it's very uplifting to sing, I find. That's November the 19th, I think, yeah, offhand. Saturday the 19th. Yes, Saturday the 19th. But that's a daytime workshop.
7: OK, and that's going to run from 11 till 4.
10: From 11 till 4, again, with refreshments. With tea and <laughs> <laughs> Of course, there'll be tea and cakes. and sometimes there'll be wine oh really oh (laughs) Ah, yes well when we have the jingle bell jazz band with jenny green who you know uh on the december the 10th that's uh an evening um then there will be wine
7: (laughs) and mince pies
10: and mince pies (laughs) of course so that's that's earlier in december because People get quite busy towards the latter part. So the tenth of part. December, tenth a of Saturday December, yes,
7: and it starts at seven thirty. Yes, and Jenny will be playing.
10: And Jenny will be playing with her with her normal band, and as I say, it's called Jingle Bell Jazz. And she's been to us before, and it was very, it went down very well. Oh, so she's very we've good. We've asked her back. She's very good. She lovely really lady. Really
7: yeah, she really is. So we get through Christmas. We That's have a little break in between there, and then we come back for January. And I don't think you've set a date yet, have you, for the one in January, the ghost and memoir writing?
10: No. um, Now, I was a journalist before I retired. And during Covid, I picked up a job as a ghostwriter. And I thought, um, well, nothing like using local talent. I thought perhaps I would give a talk about ghostwriting, ghostwriting your memoirs. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is what I do. I've done nine books now oh, wow. for a company. Um, but you can do it yourself. You you don't have to go through a company. You can just do it with a ghost. And I'd also like to bring in a mention of East Grinstead Wordsmiths here, which was founded four years ago by uh, a local lady called Jill Ritchie, who's a prolific author of books on fundraising. Uh, and we have about eight members uh, and we've stuck at it through thick and thin, uh, with many Zoom meetings. <laughs> Good old Zoom. But the marvellous <laughs> thing about the wordsmiths, we have a very, very talented poet, Alison Saunders. She's local. They're all local, obviously. Um, so one of the um, other writers there uh, will be coming along to talk with me uh, about, s- about memoir writing, self-publishing, uh, the ins and outs, the do's and don'ts, cost. Uh, and it used to be called vanity publishing, um, and I don't like that term because it's it's not a vanity. Uh, you're simply cutting out the publisher <laughs> and the cost of publication, and you can do it far more cheaply than most people would realise.
7: There's so many people out there that say, oh, I'd love to write a book, but I don't know how.
10: Yes, and many people start it, and then they get... Uh, some way through it, and they realize that they need the help of of somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do my uh, books, you normally uh, tape record the uh, client, and then they find it much easier because they can speak their memories. And they're not dragged by typing or writing it down and worrying about spelling and uh, grammar. And when th- when the memory is spoken... It comes out in their voice, which is nice, uh, and then you structure it uh, for them and give it give the book shape. Uh, and And all of that uh, sort of rather difficult part is taken away from them. So they simply have to uh, remember or ri- talk about what they remember, be it their parents or their own life stories. Um, you tend to get life stories dividing into three things. One is um, the revenge memoir, is what I would call it, is where you want to get back at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, one I- and very often it's simply about one's life history, but very often there are also trauma stories. Some of the people I've had, have their parents have come through wars, and they're very interesting because there are moments of history that have been witnessed by these people.
7: So people can come along to that, and uh, there's lots of questions and, uh, and a- again answers we them. will
10: Again, I will be bringing a couple of books that we've published, and I'm hoping that one of the local ladies whose memoir I'm working on at the moment uh, will come in and talk about her experience, uh, and, and people will be able to. It will be very interactive. Yes.
7: Now we mentioned, like the first talk in October was free. Are the charges for the other?
10: They were. They are, but they're going to be extremely modest. For the workshops, we're uh, looking at about twelve pounds for a day workshop, and uh, for the talks, seven pounds. Obviously, where there's wine involved, you'll <laughs> have to pay for that. <laughs> and yes, the jazz band. I think it's ten pounds in advance. £12 on the door for Jingle Bell Jazz on the 10th of December and the uh, cost does not include the cost of refreshments for which uh, we would ask a donation but it will be very modest so you could spend a fortune going up to a musical in London on the fairs on the music on the dinner on the drinks or you could spend 12 pounds and come to our absolutely beautiful grade one listed church in Lingfield and for next to nothing and have a lovely evening I hope.
0: Andrea Watson in conversation there with Samantha Day. For more information on the Arts and Music programme, you can contact the Church of St Peter and St Paul via their website at lingfieldparishchurch.org. That's lingfieldparishchurch.org. Or you can call the parish office on 01342 832 021. That's 01342 832 we We'll post all the details on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash sundayreview107. And that's it for the latest edition. We've got all the information on the features you've heard today on Twitter at sundayreview107 or on facebook.com forward slash sundayreview107. I'll be back on air next Sunday morning from 10am on 107 Meridian FM or on meridianfm.com, or you can download the latest podcast. Until then, take care and have a great week ahead.